Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, a Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the stupendous Suzanne Cabral, the garrulous GM Gerrymander, and the keen Carl Halpern. Today we have myself, Ange, along with JT and Tomas, and today we're going to talk about what to do when you need to find inspiration for your game prep at the last minute. The well is dry, but you still got to run the game. Before we dive into that topic, though, let's ask our get to know a gnome question. What was one time you had to throw everything you'd planned for the session out and completely improvise the rest of the game? JT, I'm going to go to you first. All right. So this was uh, Dresden Files RPG, and this was before the Dresden Accelerated came out. So this was the, the old, big, thick book version of, of the role-playing game. Full-on fate. The, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the one that, like, just before Fate Core came out, that, that mm-hmm. one. So I had planned some eight or nine episodic adventures that were daisy-chained. So that while they were episodic, one led to the next, that led to the next, that led to the next, so on and so forth. And I had set it up that the group was going to be working as freelancers for the White Council. Well, when I brought it to the table, I discovered that two of my four players had decided their characters did not trust the White Council to spit on, let alone actually <laughs> work for them. And I did not know this. This, this. this was not revealed to me during session zero. So, and honestly, I think it was something they had come up with, like, between session zero and the actual first session a week later. Uh, they had done some rumination on their characters, and I, and I just didn't have this information. So now I have these eight or nine adventures that are now essentially worthless. So I shifted gears and made it up so that instead of the White Council recruiting the party to go do good things for the city of Denver, it would just be a uh, tattoo artist that they had a friend in common. He was, he was a common NPC across all the characters. And I changed it up. So the tattoo artist was now coming to them and saying, Oh, Hey, my good friend, uh, bad things are happening to them. I, I, I think it's this other guy doing it. Can you help? And by shifting the quote unquote, good guy organization, the overarching organization from the white council to a tattoo artist, it didn't derail a single thing. Yeah, I had to go through and kind of fiddle with some you know, dials and levers of the storyline, but it worked out fairly well. You are a well. kinder GM than I would be. Because <laughs> I would have been like, that's great, guys. Can you now make some characters that fit what we talked about in Session Zero? Right, right. I would have been like, no, no, we talked about you guys were going to be working for the White Council. Why? What would, you know, what are you thinking? Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, they they did a left turn on me and I was way caught off guard <laughs> I, I almost did a table flip and deleted my notes and said never mind we'll play a different game um but i, I decided yeah. to just let's try the tattoo artist thing and like i said you are a kinder gm than i would have been <laughs> yeah, did you specify I, I, you were using the council as a the whole campaign was rounding against it yeah yeah basically yeah i uh um i did call for a break in the game i was like yeah. okay guys i i need like 10 minutes to figure things out um talks amongst yourself i'm gonna go, out, go outside and just hang out and chill on my own and it took me about 10 minutes of of 
bash my head against the porch railing to figure <laughs> out you know, what the heck to do. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen situations where the players misunderstand what the GM's intentions are, and their characters go off in a direction that's going to conflict. But like, it sounds like you were pretty clear with your players what the framework of the campaign was going to be. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, that, so that's it's like. Yeah, I, I don't know if I didn't communicate that well, or they didn't get it, or, but yeah, definitely there was some communication breakdown in there. So, but it does sound like you came up with a cool shift on the fly to, to I did. make it all I work, did. and it made the tattoo artist even more cool because he would do. Uh, he was kind of a wizard as well, but not a white court, not a white mm -hmm. council wizard. He was, uh, I forget the terminology in the Dresden world, but he was a rogue wizard. He wasn't part of the White Council, and he would do mystical tattoos for people that empowered them to give them abilities. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and, that's and, cool. and originally, he was just tattoo artist guy. So by shifting gears a little bit, I gave him some magic ability, and, and he had to hide from the White Council, which played into the we don't trust the White Council thing, and it worked. Yeah, that's really cool. How about you, Tomas? What time did you have to like toss your notes out the window and and carry on? Well, I don't have anything as complex as say this one, but <laughs> uh, I did come up with things on the fly several times. One that comes up to my mind right now is one in which I had my friends player characters on a D and D game go towards a some kind of camp from orcs that were planning to attack a big city. And their leader was some kind of chosen from Asmodius. So it was a big thing. And they were just like level six or five. I can't remember, right? But uh, the yeah, first that, time they went that in. Sounds, that sounds a little low to go against somebody called the chosen of Asmodius. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one of the characters was also the one of the many sons uh, from Asmodius. Uh, because I, that was my first D&D uh, &D game ever and i just decided that he could go along with that uh, so <laughs> the moment the orc saw the, the son of asmodeus he took the son as a prisoner while all the other characters escaped because they couldn't face uh, the orc alone they needed some backup and well uh, that one that thing uh, went that way and in the next session they had to go back and come uh, rescue the player character uh, deeply. <laughs> nice. And, well, the thing was going to be very diplomatic and I was planning for it to be uh, some kind of chat between the two parts that would in some way or form play a very tense scene and it didn't go any way near that. Uh, luckily, I, I do enjoy studying uh, level design so I came up with some sort of a camp on the fly that could be quite interesting to for the players at the moment. And they planned some sort of right towards camp with some NPCs. They have like, like three or four NPCs on their side because I'm just crazy that way. <laughs> and I don't know how I could run that many NPCs. Uh, but they had a uh, high wizard uh, hiding on the on the near forest, like trying to make so they could all communicate telepathically to make some tactical maneuverings. And I had the um, the orc come out while they were doing some kind of ritual with the son of Asmodeus, so they had to rescue the player character fast. And 
one of the characters just went in, smashed a wall, and another wall, and another wall, and oh. everything went into chaos. That sounds that way, wow. <laughs> yeah, it started going with the roof cool, and uh, characters went in everywhere. They were uh, making tactical uh, moves and uh, moving the NPCs one way to the other, and in a couple of rounds, everything went extremely weird. They managed to rescue the <laughs> the character, and at that moment, the chosen of Asmodeus started to summon some kind of a fire tornado in the place, and they just <laughs> backed up. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the moment that they decided that they needed to stop right there, and well, they backed down a bit, and they decided to do some work for the orcs so they wouldn't die immediately. Because <laughs> I created some uh, sort of uh, factions uh, that one of the factions were the orcs that work for Asmodeus, and then they have another sort of barbarian tribe that were raiding another side of the continent. So they were in some rivalry, the two sides. So the orcs had the players go face the barbarians. It did go a totally other way some sessions later, but uh, the part that I, did, I wanted to focus on for today was all the battle that I had to come up trying to remember interesting battles uh, from video games that I had to design mm -hmm. a whole uh, battleground on the spot. And well, some quick uh, maneuverings and a role play going on at the time. I think that's the the, the... The key when you have to improvise something on the fly is remembering it for later use. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And the rule of cool saved my life right there because uh, for, oh, yeah. for my players, it was one of the best sessions ever. And <laughs> I had to come up with everything on the spot. I was just spitting uh, things out and, uh, well, it ended up like that. <laughs> so how about you, Ange? How, how has one of your games gone sideways? Yeah. So... I, for a very long time, my go-to game for conventions was Doctor Who. And I nice. had a cast of PCs for the players to choose from. And one of these characters was inspired by Captain Jack. It's an ex-time agent. And the write-up for the character says, you decided to settle in, you know, 2010s Las Vegas because you had some key information that will let you make some bank on betting and stuff okay. like that. But nice. then after a night with a really pretty redhead, or a, I think a really attractive redhead, because I, I set the character up to be gender neutral, like the player could make them whatever gender they wanted. So I said, a really right. attractive redhead, you woke up without your pants, your wallet, or your vortex manipulator. Uh -oh. And it's just, a, it's just a background note in the character to set them up and why they have to stick around with the rest of these characters. And I had this one scenario i would run where it's basically there are time rifts appearing around the city of san francisco with various things coming through them and the players have to deal with it figure out what the source is and shut it down and usually the source was like you know i'd randomly grab some sort of bad guy from doctor who's pantheon of bad guys and it would be them but you know this one session the player that was playing the ex-time agent you know, we, we'd run into a couple of rifts. They'd had to fight a dinosaur that came out of one rift and, you know, had seen a couple of others. And all of a sudden the player turns to me and they're like, oh, 
could these rifts be formed by somebody trying to use a vortex manipulator and not understanding how to do it right? And Uh-oh. I was like, yes. <laughs> and like suddenly the game turned into them going through one of the rifts back in time to San Francisco during the great earthquake of, I don't remember, 1908, 1912. Yep, you got it. I, 1908. 1908. Editor Rob here with just a note that it was 1906. They went back to the great earthquake in 1906 to track down the really attractive redhead who was trying <laughs> to use the vortex manipulator to steal a bunch of gold from a bank that was going to get destroyed in the, you know, okay. in the earthquake. Oh, and amazing. like, it just like that came out of nowhere and all because of that one player going, Oh, could this be because of that? And I'm yeah. like, that's way better than anything I have in my notes. So let's go. Nice. Nice. Well, the story, steal your player's ideas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so let's move on into our main topic. Whether you're a heavy prep GM or light prep GM, there's always a little bit of footwork that needs to be done to get yourself ready for game night, even if that's just psyching yourself up to run the game. So what happens if your inspiration well is run dry? We decided it would be a good idea to talk about the techniques we gnomes use when even we need a little bit help coming up with some ideas for games. JT, I believe you wrote an article kind of talking about this relatively recently. I did. It came out I don't know, a few weeks ago, something like that, maybe a month ago. But it's uh, uh, Heisting Your Campaign, which uh, was an intentionally misleading title because it's not about heists at all. It's about heisting ideas from other sources, other media, even other genres, and plucking out those ideas from your, your pop culture and jamming them into your game. I think one of the examples I used in the article was to take a plot line or a story from one genre and warp it around and twist it up and put it in a different genre. And this idea, I, I, I want to give credit to Cinda, I believe. I think on Pandas Talking Games, she came up with this idea. I'm hoping I'm giving the credit to the right person, but the idea was a cyberpunk game where you have to get a MacGuffin, a, a thing, a, whatever it is, whether it's a USB drive, a hollow drive, a CD, whatever. You've got to transport it across an urban area, a city area. And if you set up the game right, the players don't have any vehicles, they, so they have to walk, which is kind of a theme in Lord of the Rings, walking. Yeah. And of course, you're going to have the true owners of the uh, USB driver, the MacGuffin, coming after the players as they tread across uh, various combat zones and gang turf. And maybe they find a friendly inn or a friendly bar, rather, uh, you know, the Prancing Pony and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, you, you can totally rip off Lord of the Rings and twist it into a cyberpunk setting. And I believe it was Cinda that, that that came up with that idea. And I so want to run that game um, <laughs> so badly. You just got to so. come up with the. You just got to come up with the 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 soundproof reason of why they can't just steal somebody else's car. You know, right. like, why are vehicles not gonna work? Yeah, yeah some uh, futuristic alarm, maybe something like that. Right, some biometrics, uh, biometric lock or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the difficult part in, in making them walk when, you know, uh, Uber is available. <laughs> yeah, it's like I know players will, like, you tell them, you can't use this one resource that you normally use, and they will fight tooth and nail oh, yeah. to justify why they can. I had a game once where I told them, you, you, you need to take a detour, and they're like, why? 
like because that that way is flooded what if we found a way for all of us to fly and i'm like guys the plot is that way okay (laughs) right it's like come on guys yep we build a raft uh there's no trees nearby yeah (laughs) tomas you've got a good note in in your notes talking about Sometimes if you, if you're struggling for inspiration, you might just be suffering a little bit of burnout. You want to talk about a little bit what you say there? Yeah, exactly. Just like uh, Shady some weeks ago, I also wrote an article about uh, trying to come up with something on the spot or when you lose some inspiration. And something that I that happens to me quite sometimes is that when I don't come up with an idea on the spot, uh, it may be just because I'm just burnt out. So I'll go read something, uh, watch a movie, or maybe just go out for a walk. Well, with your mask, if you are still someplace that needs to. Well, most of the world needs. Uh, Depending upon your vaccination rates. Yeah, exactly. So you go for a walk and start looking around you. Maybe some tree can give you some inspiration, some person walking strangely, or maybe a weird dog or something uh, makes you come out with something a a dog walks over a paddle and that paddle maybe produces some kind of wave and that makes a spark on your head to create some sort of a super tsunami in your game that happens i'm just coming up with this right now and i'm not i don't know what i'm talking about Um, (laughs) so yeah everything can give you some sort of idea a building that looks strangely in your city can become a wizard's tower or a cliff can become the next place for your maybe place located in some other uh, land of the world or a castle something like that yeah i i i find that for for me like looking at looking at different places architecture parks setups different places and i'll be like what kind of game could I set here? What kind of exactly. thing could I have happen right. here? You nice. know, and that can sometimes get the wheels spinning. Because, mm. and, and I know that, uh, like, I've talked about this before in the past, where some GMs kind of get stuck in a rut. I, I've talked about how uh, when me and my friend went to see Captain America Winter Soldier and Cap and Black Widow go into the World War II bunker where they find the the computer we looked yeah. at each other in the middle of the movie we looked at each other and like it's a kevin game because we have a friend who like invariably in our superhero games would have us find a world war ii bunker underground and it was just like it was like that's a kevin it's a classic game. <laughs> nice. yeah, it's like that's nice. classic kevin you know it's it's but you know like so i always try and look for like inspiration in places and like just something to spark an idea of a thing you could do in an interesting place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Or just search away. Or even take a mundane place and uh, make something unusual happen. Uh, a what if, right? Mm-hmm. The, just west of my house, there's a small hill called Spruce Hill because it's covered in spruce trees. It, not a, really an original name, not really a, a interesting <laughs> locale, to be honest with you. But one morning, it was winter time. And the snow was melting. Snow in Colorado was weird. We'll get three feet one day. It'll melt the next day. And it was one of those situations where we had a decent amount of snow. And it was melting off of the off of Spruce Hill and creating snow fog. So a nice clear day, no fog around, but the, the, the fog is sublimating directly from solid snow to gas fog. 
and covering shrouding this Spruce Hill in fog. Ooh. And I was like, ooh, what if that fog, what if something's in that fog? What if it's cover for something? You know, that, that classic what if question. Yeah. Um, and I've uh, written a yet to be published short story that uh, involved the what if of that fog. And so you, you can use even mundane things uh, or even slightly odd things in your campaign as, uh, or in, in the world as nuggets of gold for ideas for your campaign. I think all of us have kind of also talked about the, you know, just start looking at other similar genre stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like Tomas, you mentioned having a list of movies, comic books, TV series that you can just kind of turn to. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, when the whole uh, pandemic started, I had to come up with a game on the spot uh, because my friends try- wanted to try out something new. So I had them all list to me uh, a list of movies, series, TV shows, everything that they liked, and I put them all on an Excel sheet. And at that moment, I went on a random number generator. I picked three numbers and I chose them from the list and I combined the three things together. And That's I awesome. came up with all sorts of weird things. Uh, so I came up with four different campaigns that we could run, and I offered those to them. Well, I th- we didn't end up playing none of them because I came up with another better idea. and uh, We ended up playing that. Uh, so, well, that's a, a thing that I recommend uh, doing to you. Yeah. So you grab some things you like, and then you you don't need to combine all of them, but you can go to them and maybe yeah. you read, uh, I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean. So you can look at it and say, well, I'm going to grab Shaq Sparrow from that movie. And I'm going to go and put it in my game. I yep. suck at acting, so I, my Shaq Sparrow <laughs> is going to be some other type of character that the players are never going to recognize. <laughs> I know for uh, uh, I, the, my current go-to one-shot for campaigns, not that I've been able to do this for over a year, thank you, pandemic, uh, is mm-hmm. Tales from the Loop, which is a game oh, set in the yeah. 1980s. So, you know, a whole lot, a lot of 1980s inspiration. And Last year, for the one convention I was able to get to before the pandemic started, I threw a game on this uh, on the convention the list of games that I gave it a name, but I didn't really come up with the plot. And I don't I don't want to say what they are because I know there are some people listening that may end up playing this, and I don't want to give away kind of the twist okay. of the <laughs> adventure. But I'm like, you know, like I threw the name on there and had no plot associated with this so like the week before the convention i'm sitting there going what am i what am i going to do i don't know what to do with this scenario i have the general idea of you know like where they go but what happens when they get there and i started just like scrolling through looking at movie posters of old 1980s movies and all of a sudden i got to honey i shrunk the kids okay (laughs) and like i know my plot now Nice. You know, it was like that, that just go look at stuff that's related to the genre of your game. Yeah, things that you like. Yeah, yeah, things that you like, things that are fun. You can, and like to what JT was saying in the beginning, it's like you can take a plot or a concept from something and twist it to work in something else. You know, yeah. it's, it's, players are very rarely going to recognize it. Right. And if they do, hey, it's an Easter egg for them. They're like, hey, hey, some might get upset, but those types of players will probably get upset about anything. So, yeah, you, you, no, you know, I, but 
I stole the plot of uh, Stardust to be the the uh, kind of the reason for a campaign, you know, like reason for an adventure happening. You know, it's like they need to go find this thing to prove a certain someone has the right to the throne. Okay. And, you know, I put this out there and like one player, we were about three quarters of the way through the game. And he turned to me like, you stole this from Stardust. And I'm like, <laughs> <"Shh."> <laughs> yeah, I had one uh, one experience that I had uh, is that uh, I asked my players if they wanted to watch the series Firefly, because it's amazing series to to watch. And they all told me that no one has ever watched it. So I just plainly stole one chap entire chapter and dropped it into my game. Nice. And, <laughs> and they never knew, and it's one of the best uh, parts of my campaign so far. <laughs> I just reflavored it in some way. It was amazing. I've been, uh, I've been running a, a space opera style you know, science fiction game. And I've been stealing so much from Mass Effect because none of my players have actually played it. Yeah. That would work for me because I've never played. Well, take that back. I've played the first, let's say, two hours of the game about six times. And then I come back to the game and I'm like, where was I? I'll just start over. And then I play for my two hours <laughs> and then I save the game and I don't have time to play it anymore for another two months. And I come back. And I'm like, where was I? Where I'll just I? start over. Yeah, what was I doing? So yeah, that so, would so that would work for me. You know the first me. two hours of the game really well. Yes, yes. <laughs> he knows so the whole dialogue. The whole dialogue. Yes, I can close my eyes and quote it. Now, JT, <laughs> in our notes, you mentioned some other improv tools that people can use. Yeah. Just a like, I need something. I need something help. I mean, just a ran random idea generator, right? And sure, there's plenty of those on the on on the internet. There's plenty of websites that are random idea generators, but the ones I put in the the show notes, uh, and I'll make sure you get the links to uh, uh, Rob so he can put them in the, the our show notes. Is so I teach classes on how to improv write fiction. You know, you sit down at the keyboard and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to write. I've got tools for that, and I, I, I picked three of the, the, the better ones, uh, not the, or four of the better ones, not that any of the ones in my improv bag are bad, but I just picked the better ones. One of them is called Rory's Story Cubes, and what it is is they come in sets of, I believe, three, six, and nine. You can buy different size sets, and all it is is a D6, and each side has a pictogram on it. Think you're kind of Egyptian hieroglyph-type pictogram. Each pictogram can be interpreted differently depending on who you're, who, you know, what angle you're looking at it, uh, who's looking at it. Uh, I've had in class people argue over whether something was a root system or a tree, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, you write about roots and you write about trees. Yeah, whatever, and, works and, yeah, what, whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. Yeah, whatever mm -hmm. works for your story. Which actually, that was a fantastic moment in my improv class because it, it got to show the the you're bringing something to the table, even though you're unaware that you're bringing things to the table when it comes to improv. So Rory story cubes are great. I, I tend to grab three, maybe four of them and roll them. And I'll pick two, maybe three of them. I, whatever number I roll, I, I toss one out, out and use the remainder as an idea for either a adventure idea or a short story idea, things of that nature. Another tool is a deck of cards called Mythulu, and that's Mythulu, like Cthulhu, but Myth. 
And uh, Laura is a friend of mine. So, so full uh, disclosure there. I, I know the uh, great uh, woman who put this together. And it is a, a, actually multiple decks of cards in the set. And some of the cards are, what is your character's motivation? What is your character's deepest secret? What is your character's blah, 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 right? Different aspects of your character actually might work really great in a fate game, I would think. So Mithulu is a little bit story generation and a little bit character generation as well. And they mesh very well. So I highly recommend that. Next thing on my list was, if you're into it, tarot cards or Norse runes, if you know how to read those, or if you have a book that tells you how to read them, Mm -hmm. um, uh, that kind of thing, you can do a reading for your story or your NPC or maybe your big bad guy. Who knows? Just, just, again, idea generation. That's all it is. Anything to spark that idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because if you're drawing a blank Mm -hmm. just off the top of your head, even the image on a card, even if it's the... I don't know Tarot very well, but there's swords. I know that. I know that's one of the, the, the sweets there. Even if the image on the card might tell you something different than what reading the card would tell you, mm-hmm. just giving you ideas. And the last one I'm going to throw out is it's actually a game called 99 Chances. I don't use it to play the game. I've played it a few times. It's a perfectly cromulent game. You know, nothing wrong with it. But I got it because the cards have a white half and a black half not not opposing sides but just on the the face of the card Mm -hmm. is the top half is white the bottom half is black on the white half are positive traits on the black half are negative traits so i'll shuffle and mix up cards and then deal out five of them and look at all five and again toss two of them out and use three of the positive traits then i'll deal out five more and toss two of them and use three of the negative traits. And this is this is really character generation type stuff. It, it, it won't help you a whole lot with your story generation. But if you're like, I need a big bad guy or a minion or a lieutenant, and I don't know who they are, or what they are, anything like that, 99 chances will help you out in, in that uh, aspect. One other thing I'll say is like, raid your, pe- your player character's backgrounds. Yes. Um, you know, like, like take a look at the stuff your players have put into their characters' backgrounds. You know, even if they haven't, like, written the background, you've talked about who they are, where they're from. Shoot the player a couple of questions about their character. Come up with some hooks that can create create a story there. Because I was, I was thinking about this. Like, when I run a Powered by the Apocalypse game at a convention, like Masks or Monster of the Week or something like that, I do not come to the table with a story planned. You know, I wait to see, like, we, I make sure the players come up with a reason why their characters are together, and then we make those characters, and then I create the story of what happens based on the characters they've given me for that one shot. Nice. You know, and sometimes it can be absolutely brilliant. I had, I had a character who was, I forget which playbook she was playing in Monster of the Week, but the idea was is she had been framed for the murder of her family at the age of six. Now, obviously, as a six-year-old, she wasn't going to be tried as an adult, but it still put her in child mental health institutions until the age of majority. And one of the other players who was making kind of an older, wiser character when we were making the connections, she, uh, you know, and we decided that she had been framed by a fae 
who hated her family for some reason. Okay. 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 Well, Good setup. One of the other characters, when we were coming up with how these characters were connected, she's like, I'm actually her aunt, and I'm the reason the Faye hates her family. Ooh. Oh, and she that's doesn't great. know. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that is so juicy. I like so, it. I set up a scenario that basically kind of pulled in some of the other characters' interests and stuff like that. But the big bad behind what was happening was that Faye. And at the end of the game, she revealed to this the younger character, you know, like what had actually happened and why she had suffered so. And that character basically, like, as the Faye is laughing off into the darkness, mm-hmm. basically turned to her aunt broke her magical sword, dropped the pieces on the ground, and walked off into the night. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I, I wow. couldn't have played the session better than that. Yeah, really? So all really? based on what the characters brought to the table. So never hesitate to like raid your characters' backgrounds. Exactly. <laughs> and to be fair, there's always that player that comes up with a five-player, five-pages essay of their character backstory. So yeah. there's a lot to steal from there. And yeah. <laughs> you can steal NPCs, uh, whole events, The anything. only caution I'll throw in there is, like, make sure you spread the love around to the other players because you, yes. you will have that one player who gives you 150% but you still need to coax some information out of the player who only gives you 70% to yep. keep them involved and included. Exactly. Uh, those players that, do- that write like two sentences, ask them why they chose that specific thing and try to help them come up with something more complex. Mm-hmm. And then you come up with something that uh, is great for them and that they will love because they created it with you. The story is going to be easier to tie into your campaign because you were there to help them the story together yeah absolutely yeah, very much so i think we've talked for a while so we should yeah. probably wrap up so we don't make rob mad any <laughs> last any last thoughts on you know where to find inspiration at the last minute uh, i have a tip that i uh, something that i use all the time there's a game called iron sworn an rpg is uh, free that you can find on the internet and uh, it has a whole oracle section that is just a bunch of different tables that are about uh, locations, people's uh, attributes, uh, maybe some uh, shops that they have and uh, traits. And you just roll on the hundreds tables, roll five or six times for specific things, and you can easily come up with anything. That, nice. that game is amazing. So go check it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure we include a link in the show notes. So the thing I was going to uh, add in is be honest with your players. If you show up at the, the game table and you're like, guys, I have no idea. I have no ideas. I, I, I'm kind of running dry. Do you mind if we do an improv game where the players drive the plot and the game master is the one in the hot seat improving? So a question I used to ask my Lankmar campaign I ran for years is I would sit down at the table and look at my players and say, okay, what are you guys going to do today? And I would let them drive the story. And I, I, gosh, I ran D&D for like two, almost two and a half years. Zero prep. I, I didn't, I, yeah, I, wow. never, I never had an idea because it was That's player incredible. driven. And that was the concept behind the campaign to begin with. Um, kind of brave, right? 
eventually as your players are doing stuff, you will come up with stuff that will make what's happening more exciting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like a bunch of, you know, raiders suddenly come over the wall or, you know, the, the woman they're talking with her angry lover suddenly shows up with a magic wand full of fireballs. (laughs) You know, it's like, you can come up with stuff to add in and spice things up once the players get things rolling. Yep. Exactly, and if you're not comfortable enough, try doing it for a one-shot. I had an entire one-shot that was all around a shale break that I just said, we're doing a shale break, and you are the player <laughs> trying to come out. And nice. we are, we're playing D&D, and I panicked attacking in the middle of the game, and I pulled a mech to appear and confront the players in D&D. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but it was great. And the ending uh, that it provoked, uh, well, it was launching rockets and smashing a uh, friendly NPC that they were trying to rescue. The whole game is extremely memorable. So try doing it one day or two. Maybe you can come up with a campaign like Shady over here. That's awesome. So, I think we can get out of here. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by The Void of Lost Ideas. Ever have that moment where you have a spark of brilliance but don't have the time to write it down? And by the time you come back to it, the idea is gone? All those ideas go to The Void of Lost Ideas. If you act fast today, you can get a pass to enter The Void and retrieve your genius. We take no responsibility for getting lost in the void, and all participants must sign a waiver, absolving us of all responsibility if you do get lost in the void. If you are enjoying the Gnomecast, you might like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. We have bonus experience. Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity, while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. Tomas, where else can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me uh, on the Gnomes 2 writing uh, monthly. You can find me on Tribality that I write a daily column over there. And then you can find me writing all sorts of stupid things uh, that I come up with on Twitter at Tomas Jimenez R. Well, R. Sorry, Spanish went over there. Uh, (laughs) GM. I mean, your R sounds much better than my R. Yeah. <laughs> D-O-M-A-S-C-I-M-E-N-E-S-I-T-R-G-M. And we'll have that we'll have we'll have links to all of these places in, in our show notes mm-hmm. too. JT, how about you? One stop shop for all things me is uh, jtevans.net. Uh along the top of every page you'll see links to all my various social media. So uh I know it's an interstitial to get from one to the other, but uh, I, I'm on a lot of different social media platforms. So that's just the easy way to find me online. How about you, Ange? Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as orikes 13 O-R-I-K-E-S-13. Though, as I've been warning people over the last year, Twitter is fairly quiet and Instagram is a lot of cats. So The best stuff. Yeah, the best stuff. The best stuff. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think, what do you guys think? Did we avoid the stew this week, or mm-hmm. is John still searching for some ingredients? Uh, I certainly hope so. I, I hope he has not run out of ideas for ingredients, because if he's out of ideas for ingredients, he's going to come out for us. <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
six.